Hey, hey, you have tuned in to Black Schooled. I don't have all the answers, but I've got some of the facts. Thank you for joining me, Dr. J. For all things African-Americans, achievement and advancement, follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jaquette Dumas and enjoy this episode. Hey guys, it's Dr. J. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Black School. Let's jump right into today's topic, special education and the African-American community. But guess what? You are in for a treat. Today I have a special guest. Uh, Cassandra McNair, Dr. Cassandra McNair. We are so excited um, to have her here on this week's podcast. So, hey, Dr. McNair. Hey, Dr. J. Tell us a little bit about your background in special education. All right, so about 18 years ago, I started off as a special education middle school teacher. So I stayed in middle school for mm, about seven or eight years. And then after that, I became a principal of a special education early intervention school. And at that early intervention school, we served um, kids from birth to five. So literally the hospital would call and say, hey, Dr. McNair, we just had a baby. They felt their hearing screening. Can you send a team? And so my team, along with the Inland Regional Center, would go out, assess the kid, get them some resources, get the parents some resources, and I think that that was probably my favorite job. <laughs> and then um, after I left the early intervention preschool, I went to a magnet school as a principal for a couple of years. Um, but then I, I had enough of magnet school for four years. I had to return back to special ed. So I went back to a special education TK-12, so transitional kindergarten Ooh. to 12th grade school, all special education with most of the students with the eligibility of emotional disturbance. Whoa, okay. Yeah, so that was pretty intense. So I hung in there for about a year, and I say hung in there because that was really rough. <laughs> it was rough. Um, but, you know, I love special ed, and so then after that, um, right now I'm serving currently as a coordinator of special ed for a small school district. Got it. And I love it. So I have a master's in special ed, but my doctorate is in educational justice. Okay. And with that, I was able to really look into the social justice issues as it relates to students with special needs. Yes. And I think that that is probably the, the injustice that I have noticed. So as a Jeanette teacher, um, and I, no shade to Gen Ed teachers, but I was, I personally was one of those naive Gen Ed teachers. Oh, no. And I'm like, I know that I have kids on an IEP. I know I have kids that are special needs in my class. So I would read the at a glance. Uh-huh. And I would do what the at a glance said and really feel like I was in compliance. Okay. And so I, I realized, though, as I became an administrator, that there was so much more to special education and I almost started to feel bad for the students who were in my classes because I knew that I had done the bare minimum with them. Really? Yeah. And so I and I even started to tell my teachers that you've got to read the whole IEP. I, st I told them to stop looking at that at a glance sheet. Yeah, because it doesn't really give that much information. It's yeah. literally that, a glance. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that there's this sense of feeling like you are doing something but at the end of the day, we're not best servicing this population. Even though everyone's technically doing their job, right. we are technically crossing the T's, dotting the I's, but there is this grave injustice um, when it has to do with special education 
and African-American students. Definitely. And um, so I noticed that they were just extremely overrepresented in the special education population. You're looking at the percentage of African-American students in your district, in your school, and then you're looking at the percentage of African-Americans who are classified as special needs students. Right. And so, like, how did we get here? So it's really interesting. So, you know, I talked about how I spent that time at that early intervention school. Do you know that less than 1% um, of my particular school were filled with African-American students? Mm. And that was surprising data to me because I had been a medical, middle school teacher. And as a middle school teacher, almost like my whole caseload was African-American yes. students, right? Yeah. But at the early intervention stage, they are not there. So what happens is, is there's that misdiagnose or there's that misconception of our kids when they're younger. And so by the time they get to second grade, they are so far behind yeah. that there's like this industry rush to get them serviced. Huh. And so then there's that surge in second grade. And we know that if students aren't reading by second and third grade, I mean, they've lost already. Yeah. Yeah. And so then there's that surge and then as they grow, the population grows. Yeah. And so I think that's how we got here, is there's that, that double-sided sword of the ignorance on the side of the parent where they just don't know any better, so they don't do anything, and that's just Joey over there. Um, but then there's the other side where schools are like, no, there's nothing wrong. Or the pediatrician telling the mom, oh no, that's, just wait, just wait. Yeah. And that's how we, that's how I think we got here. Now that is really interesting though, that birth to five, that that disparity is just not there, which goes back to what we've said on black school several times is that our education system as a whole is the problem. Like yes. they're contributing to the problem yes. because now all of a sudden our students are grade school age and we are extremely overrepresented because yes. people don't have anything else to do or they don't have another answer for these African-American students. So, oh, they must be special needs. Yeah, because I definitely, I would think that it would mirror that birth to, that birth to five. It doesn't. Wow. And it's really interesting because even if you look at kindergarten, kindergarten students that arrive to elementary schools that do have IEPs already, yeah. that's because they have been identified early. Yeah. And even at that stage, our kids are always the behavior problem but not those that are receiving any type of additional services. Yeah, no, that, that, is, that is absolutely, that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. so, so then if we think that the education system is part of the problem with yeah. um, over-testing, misdiagnosing our students, how do you balance this thing where you're in denial? Because I've, I've seen parents in denial. Oh yeah. Uh, so I work in education, but of course I also pastor a church and you're looking at small children and you're thinking something's mm. not something's not right right and not even in a funny way because you know uh, in the black community we'll throw it around their special ha 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 kind of thing but you're really looking developmentally how they line up with their peers and so the parent though doesn't see it they don't see it at all they're comparing their child either to other people in their family or to nobody at all or they're saying they're their own person they'll you know, grow at their pace. And so they're just completely in denial that anything's wrong with their child. But then there's the flip side where I've also seen parents who will 
take whatever advice from whoever. Yeah. And I'm like, no, oh my gosh, your kid is fine. Right. I had a parent who was convinced that her kid was special needs because he wasn't potty trained at three. And I'm like, no, some countries no. don't even start potty training until three. Right. But she was ready to go the full gamut to um, take classes, you know, to do whatever it um, needed to be done for her kid. And that was because one professional had given her some, just what one. I felt, yeah, was poor advice. Wow. So then how do you balance between being a complete denial and just like this blind compliance with whatever advice you get? So I think it's really important for parents to one, pay attention to their own child. Mm. Um, and then also do their own research. So it's important for parents to read those books of development and what our kids should be doing at what stage. Yeah. And then actually asking questions because that's one thing I found at the early intervention preschool is that I felt like I was like on this one woman crusade to go find black kids because I knew they existed. And so one of the things that I continuously found as I did outreach at churches, at um, doctor's offices. I mean, I was out there passing out those child find flyers. So you think they were underrepresented at the birth to five? They were. Okay. They were definitely underrepresented. Okay. And so, but actually going out there and having those conversations is when I found that parents just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have the education, which is why I was saying like parents know, like read the developmental stages, see what your kids should be doing at this age and stage. Don't take your grandma's word for it. Like actually pick up an article, read a book. I mean, Google it. Yeah, the whole what to expect series. Like yes. what to expect when you're expecting, it doesn't stop there. Like what to expect from your one-year-old, yes. what to expect from your kindergartner, what to expect on and on and on from your middle school student. I think that it it, it helps you so much. It I does. tell my husband all the time, I'm like, you know, the things that we've noticed in our middle schooler are developmentally appropriate. Right. Like they're technically schizophrenic for two or three they years are. of their life. Um, <laughs> when you read about what's developmentally appropriate. So I think there is some comfort in knowing um, like what is really okay. Right, but then there's that flip side to where, again, like the story you just told about the, the mom who just took the one word of the one doctor and then you're just like, oh my gosh. Because honestly, on the flip side, if you start looking at disabilities, you will find yourself in that list of disabilities. This is true. I mean, when I was going to school <laughs> to be a special educator, I'll never forget, like, I was reading the symptoms of um, attention deficit disorder. Yes. And I totally found myself there. Yes. And then sometimes <laughs> I would say, well, am I on the hyperactive side or do I just have, like, the regular ADD? And so it's, again, it's also important for you to kind of balance that. Yeah. So I would say talk to other people. Okay. And, and really build community in that questioning of, you know, is my child actually being appropriate? But don't just take one person's word for it because that whole concept of they say your child is special ed and they'll never get out, that is totally untrue. Now, okay, now that is a really popular idea out there. And my <laughs> my challenge and my hesitation, honestly, and I have kind of told parents this on the side, like be wise when putting your kid in this special education system because it's like nearly impossible to get out. My other thing with that is the low expectations. Like I look at some of these um, like goals yeah. and it's like oh, a be fifth ridiculous. grader and the goal is like counting to 20. Right. And I'm like, 
that's cool if that's where this child is. I get it. I understand. But I'm thinking like pacing wise, like long term. Like how do you, if the expectations are so low academically um, and you know that the IEP is being written for the well-being of the child, where they are right now, like what can't, what really can you do as a parent to push back? and say no my my child needs to accelerate at a at a faster rate than this so the first thing i would say is special ed is not a death sentence so your parental rights and procedural safeguards they state that you can withdraw consent at any time so say you decide today i agree what the school district is saying you wake up tomorrow and you say you know i don't agree guess what as a parent, you have that right to say, I don't want it anymore. And they can just come off completely off IEP. I mean, completely. All Do you, you guys hear this? Like, I have told yes. you all to advocate for your children. Yes. So if you disagree at any point, you call a meeting and you can completely take them off IEP. You don't even have to call a meeting. You just write a letter and sign it and say, I do not want my child to receive services anymore. Now, see, a lot of our African-American parents don't know that. Which they is- feel like they're at the mercy of that at the mercy of the school. And no. I'm not telling you to snatch your kid out of out of sped. I'm not saying that. But but if you notice like these ongoing like disparities right. or you notice that your child has progressed greatly, like either way, or you're on the IEP and you're they're not progressing, you want them off. Um, but like how do you push in when when these goals are being set? Like to make sure that your child is going to be successful um after high school because i always say that the way that these ieps are written we're training these kids to like it's that learn wash dishes right something (laughs) like they're gonna have a career as a dishwasher with these type of goals no it doesn't have to be that way so the first thing is is that you can remove your child so deshaun was on an iep for a little bit Mm -hmm. for speech speech only well once i noticed that his speech had progressed that IEP was over. Okay. I said, I'm finished because I can do what you're doing at home. We can keep practicing. I don't want him to go to kindergarten with this IEP. Okay. So in that zero to five stage, he was on the IEP for probably a, about a year and a half or so. Okay. Because I, again, I wanted him to get the services he needed. Yes. But at the same time, once I knew where he was headed, I was like, oh, I can do this myself. Okay. So then it was okay to end it. Now, looking at goals and objectives and looking at where the IEP team is taking you, again, parents, you've got to know those grade level standards. Because if you don't know what the grade level standards are, you'll accept anything. Yes. So okay. again, that's where those goals are. If they're counting to 20, well, a kindergarten standard is that they need to count to 100. Yeah. And so don't give my third grader a goal to count to 20. Yeah. And then also look at those objectives. And so make sure they actually connect and make sense okay? because the goal should be written at the student's grade level. Okay. And I know that that sounds really hard because if your child is behind or struggling yes. in an area, you do not want to see a grade level goal or a goal that you think, oh my goodness, they're not going to meet. Well, take that grade level standard because what they're supposed to do, special educators are supposed to do is write it at the standard, but take a piece of the standard and then scaffold it, which means they're going to break it down into pieces of how they're going to get your child there in a year. Yeah. And if it doesn't make sense to you, then you ask them to explain it. Yeah. Which means more work, not less work. A lot of yes. times I'll read these, um, I'll read the IEPs and I'm thinking this can be done in a month. 
Like, how is this our six month, three month, like full year goal? This can be done so quickly. Yeah. But they're written as less work for the student, mm -hmm. less work for the gen ed teacher, less work for the sped teacher. I'm thinking this student has a whole team surrounding their education versus a gen ed student right. just has their teacher and their parents. So I feel like we should be able to accomplish more work. Yes. Not less work. Right. And don't worry about being that isolated or ridiculed parent because you're thinking, oh, well, I don't want to go up to the school and ask another question or I don't want to question the professionals. No, you're the parent. Yes. You're your child's first advocate. You ask those people questions and ask them until you actually understand. Yeah. And I think that that's also another stigma of the African-American community where they just don't want to be that angry parent that yep. goes in the office and goes off. Well, there is a way that you can do it yes. without all of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've sat on both sides of the table. I've been the parent walking in with my kid and I've been the administrator on the other side. And the bottom line is you have to be that parent warrior. Yeah. Like you can't quit. Yeah. And, and, and when you, and it goes all the way back to advocating for, to advocating for your child. Yes. Like I know that you feel that they're the professional, but we've got to really like put this thing in perspective. These people have work, been working in education for a limited number of years. Right. You're not exactly sure what school they trained at or how much they paid attention. Listen here. You don't know how, how high they passed that degree right or if they barely came through by the, the skin of their chinny chin chin <laughs> if they've stayed updated on current research and i am not downing educators i mean obviously we're educators we love, love educators. educators yeah <laughs> but you also cannot just take it as they are the professional right. nobody is the professional and the final authority especially when it has to do with your kids exactly when it comes to do with your kid you are the professional yeah and you were saying earlier about that whole like post high school and again, when you are in those IEPs and um, elementary school, middle school, especially early high school, you wanna ensure, especially if your child is on the diploma track, that they are going to be able to, one, go to trade school, mm -hmm. go to community college, or even go to a university. Yes. And IEP does not keep them from any of those steps. Okay. And the coolest thing about an IEP, and I tell parents this all the time, is that if your student just struggles with like note taking and things like that, take that dog on IEP to that disability services at the college. Yes. It's on every single college campus. Yep, every campus. And they will take that IEP from high school and they will assist your student. Yeah. And and I hear what you're saying. And I think that technically the African American community knows that these services are available, but what I've heard from parents and even from students is that they don't want to be mistreated because um, of their extra advantage or they don't want to be seen as they're being successful just because of this extra advantage. So how do we as an African-American like community and African-American people, like how do we take it, teach ourselves to take advantage of the services that are available without taking on the stigma that other people try to put on us. I think it just goes back to just how you just live life. Okay. You know, like you can't live life thinking about what everyone thinks about you. Yeah. You can't live life thinking, well, I don't want them to say anything bad about me because this is what I've taken advantage of. The bottom line is those other people that may say things, they're not going to pay your bills. 
I mean, they're not sending your kids to school, to college. You are. Yeah. They're not sitting in those IEPs. They're not sitting with you while you're sitting with their ch- your child doing homework until 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Take advantage of every single service, every single program that you can, because the bottom line is there are other people that are taking advantage, you know, the other that are taking advantage yeah. and they do yeah. not mind. They don't mind taking advantage and then look at you like, well, what? Yeah, it's it's true. And I don't know what, I don't, I kind of have a, an idea of what it is in the African-American community. Uh, but I feel like there are so many of other um, ethnicities, races, racial groups that will take advantage of this, not even just in education, but even like in home buying. Yes. Like there are so many tricks and like tips of the trade. Or taxes. Yes, that that the others are taking advantage of, but African-Americans have this weird like- We gotta do it my way. Yes, and like, I'm like, well, yes and no. I'm not trying to teach you to cut corners. I'm not trying right. to teach you to, um, to get something that you don't have the right to or to be dishonest in any way. But if the services are there. Take advantage. If the money is there. Take advantage. It's like the scholarships that are not t- that are not claimed um, are by widespread for the African American community or minorities in general. Right. These are the scholarships that universities, counselors end up begging students to apply for. Right. Versus the others are flooding whatever it is that they qualify for and trying to push into Exactly. The they'll they'll take our ones. money if yes. they can. <laughs> and I think that that's one thing that we miss out on is that there are just so many resources that are available but we don't take advantage. And I think like what you said, that some of it is, you know, pride or, you know, the stigma of how someone's gonna look at you or, you know, those classes and those things. But one thing I do love about special education, you know, I've made a career of this, but one thing I love about special education is that there's this thing called least restrictive environment. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of least restrictive environment is that the IEP team that includes the parent, they're a part of the team, yes. is that you are supposed to ensure that your child is educated in the least restrictive environment. That doesn't mean that your child's gonna be in some special ed class in the corner. Yes. Because I think that's what many people have in their mind yep. at the stigma of, oh, if, if my child is in special ed, they're gonna have to go to that back classroom Everyone's gonna have to see my child go to that back classroom or the person at the door is gonna stand at the door and say, hey, Joey, it's your turn. (laughs) I'm here to get you. And again, we don't want that for our kids. No, not at all. But the thing about least restrictive environment is that they've made it so, and I train people on this all the time, that when you are collaborating and co-teaching and you're in those classrooms, those classrooms are taught by general ed and special ed students, many of them, those inclusive classrooms. Yeah. And so as a parent sitting at that IEP, that's something you can request. Yeah. And I think that that's where we don't know enough about what's actually out there and available that I literally had a conversation with a colleague earlier this week and I was asking them, um, I wanted to talk to, to them about collaboration and they were like, you know what? I'm so sorry, I can't help you because I don't know which one is a special ed and which one is the gen ed teacher. I said, now that is special education done right. Yeah. When you don't know the difference. And so parents, I'm telling you, like spend the time researching the school and the things that they have set up because your child can be missing out. 
Yeah. And if and if your child feels like they're being singled out or your child how your child feels about their special education services, you need to listen to your child. Oh yeah. If they feel like they're being singled out, they probably most, are. Yes, most likely somebody is not doing something in full compliance. Um, somebody is not maximizing their time with your child. Your child, listen to how they're experiencing their yes. pull-out services. Listen to how they're experiencing their push-in services. Listen to how they feel like they're being treated by the aid and, you know, different things like that. I think that we've got to include the child more in the conversation. Of course. I've seen African-American parents more than other parents try to keep their SPED status um, a secret yes. from the actual child. And I'm like, no, Why? you're teaching them to be embarrassed about this. You're teaching them um, that there's a stigma associated associated with this. I saw a wonderful documentary about a sibling who wanted to know about their sibling's disability and their IEP. Oh, wow. And um, she learned about the entire process. She began attending her sibling's IEP meeting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And she just wanted to become like knowledgeable about what was happening with her sibling. It was something the whole family celebrated because an IEP is not supposed to um, just teach the school or the, the teacher how to help the child. It's supposed to teach the family how to help the child. Yes. And so how do we, as an African-American community, how do we turn this idea of having an IEP into a way for the family to help. So I think that during this time of remote learning and distance learning is actually the perfect time mm. for the family to learn and really make it about the whole child um, and really just wrapping around those services. Um, so number one is make sure you're actually attending the IEPs in okay. person. In person. Okay, y'all. When they call and ask if you want to do it over the phone because everybody's not able to make it or because they got to do an emergency, say no. Yeah, say no. <laughs> or, and then also don't take the easy way out of, oh, just hold it without me. Yes. Do Never. not. Never do that. Yeah. Do not let them hold it without you. Um, you know, of course, during this time of distance learning, remote learning, it's um, by phone or, you know, through video chat. Take advantage of all of that for right now. Yeah. But when we're back in person, go to those IEPs in person. You want those people to see you. Yes. You have to be that parent advocate and let those educators see you and let them know that you are involved in this process. That's number one. The second part is read the IEP. Don't just sign it. Yeah. So most people say, you know, at the end of the IEP, they try to give it to you and say, do you agree to everything that we've talked about today? say I want to review this well yeah it's 30 pages <laughs> and you and you know you didn't get through 30 pages in 45 minutes yep. <laughs> so no take some time and actually read that IEP okay and so make sure that you're just not signing off and that you fully are um, understanding what's in that IEP yeah then the third thing I would say is talk to your child about the services that are listed and the accommodations that are listed. Okay. Um, see if they're working for them. See if they're not working for them. And then also see if those same accommodations that's on the IEP, you can implement at home. Yes. And that and that is key, guys. If you're talking about your kid actually advancing and actually progressing, you can't leave it on the school. You cannot. Yeah. You cannot. And those accommodations, they actually work best 
if they're used in the home as well. Mm. So if your child needs extra time, there is no sense of you yelling and fussing and all of that for them to clean their room when you know that they need extra time to process either yes. what you've told them or they just move slow. Yep. That may just be your child, but yeah. if you're fussing at the school, you have to implement that at home. Yeah. And that also brings me to, if your child has like an auditory processing deficit, write them chores down for the kid. Mm -hmm. You know, start building in supports because the greatest thing of how I think special ed should be used is to show your child that yes, there may be some things that, you know, may slow you down. There may be some things that are difficult for you, but we are going to learn like life hacks. That's yeah. kind of like how what I call them. Yeah. So like we all have shortcuts and things that we use to help us to remember things, yep. to help us to ensure that we picked up everything from the store. But the same thing goes with our kids with special needs. We need to ensure that the, the supports that they need, they are implemented at home. Because again, when they're an adult, they won't have an IEP to take to work. Yeah, yeah. And they can work. Yeah! Like, that is something to remember. Like your IEP child can go to college. Your IEP student can have a six-figure income. Yes. Your IEP student can be a valedictorian. Your IEP student can win scholarships. Yes. Your IEP student can be a fully functioning adult. Yes. We do not have to revise their career goals or no. what they want to be in life. Like your child can have the advantage of having a full community yes. wrap around them and SPED services work to their advantage. Well, guys, we are out of time for this week. Um, thank you for joining me thank this Thank you week for having me. On the podcast. You already know, at the end of the day, I'm never going to let you listen to this podcast and get off the hook from doing some work. So when it comes down to it, guys, you are your child's number one advocate. Get in there and find out. And if you don't have a SPED child, but we all know a SPED student. We all know one. Maybe you're called to work in SPED. Like, maybe that's what you're called to. Whatever it is, you have to answer the call. African Americans, it's our responsibility to be in charge of our own advancement. So, that's it. School's out for this week. See you next week.